Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, a bid to break the supermarket duopoly fails. Online grocer Supi has gone out of business today, owing about $3 million. The Auckland-based independent virtual supermarket's gone into voluntary administration. The blow to customers and to competition in the supermarket sector. It's a really disappointing development for competition in this industry. We are crying out for more players in the supermarket industry to take on the duopoly. First off, I'd say it's a sad day for Kiwi entrepreneurs when they can't get their project to the side of it. Founder Sarah Ball told us she's devastated, saying, together we fought so hard to introduce competition in the market so that Kiwis could get a fairer deal for their groceries. Was the formula all wrong? Was it too soon? Or are we just too lazy to change our habits? Well, just yesterday, the outstanding wages owed to 120 staff who lost their jobs were paid by an anonymous donor. But hundreds of creditors, including suppliers and customers, are out of pocket. Here's Jonathan Milne, Managing Editor of Newsroom Pro. A key investor uh, came to her and said, sorry, I can't follow through with the $3 million um, buy-in that I was looking to do. I I don't think your numbers stack up. And there were some people who weren't surprised. I talked to Sam Stubbs yesterday from Simplicity. Mm. Simplicity obviously manages KiwiSaver funds. He said, we were approached at the last minute and um, asked if we wanted to take part in this capital raise. We had a look at the books and we liked what they did. You know, we loved Sarah's vision, but we didn't think they could survive. He said, and I could not, in good conscience, to the members of our Kiwi Saver funds, invest their money into a business we thought was going to fail. And he was right, of course. Who is Sarah Ball? She started pretty much from scratch. I mean, she comes from an NBR rich list family. I grew up on a vegetable farm in Pukekohe. My parents, brothers and sisters are still vegetable growers today or involved in the, in the business. And I was just shocked to see how much fruit and vegetables that are grown in New Zealand end up at, in food waste. Good on you. But she seems to have mostly done this on her own. In fact, I was listening into an investor's report in which she was asked about just this and the fellow investor said, hey, can we get some more cash flow into the company from your family, please? And she said, no, we don't really work like that as a family. We do our own thing. It's a big family. Everyone's got their own interests. And no, I'm not going to go to my uncles and aunts and ask them to all shell out um, to bail out Soupy. She lives um, in South Auckland at home with her parents. She'd be well into her 30s, I think. She borrows her mum's car because she sold her car um, in order to help fund Soupy. So she's kind of chucked everything she's got into this business. Um, But it's grown very rapidly. The the rapid growth has actually been one of the big challenges uh, uh, for it because they just haven't been able to get enough cash investment to keep up with their demand. Um, They're getting so many members and they've had a lot of publicity, obviously, through Sarah's profile in the Commerce Commission inquiry into the grocery sector, where she's been a very robust critic of the supermarkets. In reality, and having been working in this industry for some time now and knowing that for more than a decade we've had really poor outcomes, we haven't had meaningful competition, which is what the Commerce Commission found a couple of years ago. Um, But now we know that regulation hasn't solved it. Everyone keeps talking about Audi and other internationals coming here, and they could have. We, we've got Costco, 
But they're not delivering lower prices at the checkout for all Kiwis. They're, they're just going to go into the main centres. But because of that profile, because of effective marketing, because they're a likeable enough um, mm. business model, they have had a big uptake. Um, I mean, they've been pushing up to towards 100,000 members, but they just haven't got enough money to build the infrastructure, to, um, to keep the supplies coming in, to deliver them at the rate they needed to. And that was where they ran into problems. It wasn't, um, it wasn't future revenues, but it was immediate cash flow. And did it have anything to do with the cost of everything at the moment, the high cost of everything? I'm talking about groceries, fruit and veg. While Sarah Ball would have downplayed that and probably presented that as roughly neutral for the company because people have to pay more for their food wherever they go. However, I think the reality is that in this really tough competitive environment, she did not have access to such good prices for supplies as the big supermarkets did. So she could never match their prices on key goods. Despite being based in South Auckland, she's never going to get, get that mass market. She's never going to compete with the pack and saves. They're always going to be cheaper. That's something that the government had tried to address as part of, uh, in response to the Commerce Commission inquiry into the supermarket sector. And Sarah was always dubious about their solution. Um, their solution was to require the supermarkets to open up their wholesale distribution network to small independents and we're talking about we're talking about dairies we're talking uh, about um, green grocers we're talking about um, the soupies of the world mm. um, Sarah Ball's view was always that this only strengthened the supermarkets hand by forcing all the independents to go to the supermarkets to get their supplies she was in a slightly different position because she had, over the course of three or four years, managed to negotiate a lot of direct supply agreements with um, companies. Like, you know, she had a meat agreement with Halibis, for instance. She had a direct agreement with Fonterra. Um, but a lot of those agreements were uh, at a higher price point than what they were charging the big supermarkets. The supermarkets got the clout to demand lower prices from suppliers, smaller business like Supi doesn't have that same kind of negotiating clout and so what Sarah Ball said um, told me uh, was happening was she was forced to do direct agreements with companies like Fonterra like Mars the big which isn't just confectionery it's not just chocolate bars but all kinds of food products Dolmio pet foods Ben's rice she did direct deals with them often they had intermediaries everyone was, was clipping the ticket along the way and she was having to pay more for the products in the supermarkets would have. And what that meant was that, of course, her customers had to pay more. Mm. So that's a very long way of answering your question. Yeah. The owner of Christchurch manufacturer Cactus Clothing, Ben Keeps, is an investor and was a director of Soupy until he stood down last week before the shock news. When you took on the role as a director of Soupy, what did you see in the company? What, what did you see as its potential? I think as as an investor uh, or as a, a board member of early stage companies, um, it's actually a very simple calculus. Is this a problem that that needs to be solved? Uh, and is there a, a, an individual or a team here who you think can execute? Many, many people have commented on the problem to solve here, i.e. the lack of competition in the grocery sector. And I will also say that despite the fact that, that Supi eventually you know, had a sad demise, Sarah Ball is an exceptional founder who moved heaven and earth to achieve what she did and, and, and frankly got further in competing with the duopoly than anyone 
has ever gotten before. She did, but in the end failed. So what, what's wrong here? There's a bunch of structural stuff going on. Uh, there is a lack of competition. Uh, the duopoly have the biggest footprint. They have um, leverage and control over suppliers. But the other thing I would say is it, it's really easy for us to blame the man or, or the woman, as it were. But I think we as a society need to look at ourselves. And the fact of the matter is that in, in the areas that, that Supi operated, you know, we were regularly found to be cheaper than the duopoly, and yet people kind of did their normal going to the supermarket thing. And so change happens because people get out there, you know, initiatives get out there and market, but change also happens because uh, we embrace those opportunities. And so I'm not going to say that Supi's demise was the fault of consumers, not, not, not at all, but I think that if we want competition in the marketplace, we need to support competitive initiatives. But then I do wonder what does it take because is it correct that there were 100,000 users? I haven't got the exact figures but but about 80,000 people on, on, on our list. But I think what's it going to take? You know, Tex Edwards has been very public saying it's going to take someone with hundreds of millions of dollars. Real competition is going to refocus attention on what actually the sustainable business case of a challenger is going to be. That's a billion dollars of capital. It's not 10 or 20. Coming in and providing, you know, essentially a, a sort of a like-for-like like service, the way the way he did with two degrees to try and compete with um, Vodafone as it was then and Telecom as it was then. Our thesis was that you could do things differently. You could be an online provider with a lower sort of cost of entry um, and that would, that would be competitive and that would get to scale. We failed. I don't think that means that the only way to succeed is for someone to come in with hundreds of millions of dollars, but time will tell what it takes to get real competition in the grocery market in New Zealand. I just wonder if that that model of food delivery really is the way to go, or is this just about scale? You know, I think if you take a step back, right, um, is it more efficient for all of us as individual consumers to get in our little cars, drive to a big supermarket, do our shopping and then drive home versus, you know, a, a centralised distribution centre ordering online and stuff going out to us? I mean, you know, I, I would suggest that the latter is more efficient in the same way that, you know, Trade Me has meant that a lot of people don't need to go to the hardware store to, to, to buy things. So over the fullness of time, I think Amazon has proven that that online can work. It's probably a conversation for another day. Were we too early? Was the New Zealand market ready to do online? What were timing failings versus execution failings? There's there's a, a bunch of stuff to unpick, that, and that'll happen in the, in the coming weeks and months and years. What about the suggestion that perhaps the government should step in and forcibly break up the big supermarket chains? I'm no expert on government intervention. What I would say is that relying upon the government to resolve market issues can, I would suggest, have lots of sort of unintended consequences. We've got a grocery commissioner now, you know, Comcom introduced the wholesale buying regime um, and there were you know a, a bunch of things that came from that that weren't weren't good and didn't help with competition so i think it's a balance between you know the market providing the solution and the regulator providing the solution but again i come back to the point that fundamentally we the consumers have the biggest potential impact to make with our buying decisions 
So what will it take to break the duopoly and get real competition into the market and therefore lower prices? Here's Tex Edwards again, the entrepreneur who set up two degrees and a warrior in the competition sector. He says the government has to fix it. They have to understand what it would take to break up the existing cartel, force the sale of approximately 100 to 120 supermarkets to a third player, and force the sale of some of the distribution centres, which is where the problem lies. Jonathan Milne says there are other ideas... Matthew Lane from Night and Day, which, and this is hard to believe, but Night and Day, which isn't big on most of our radars, but Night and Day, I would say, is a little convenience store chain. Yet, as it turns out, it's actually, in terms of a number of outlets, the third biggest grocery supplier in New Zealand, which just shows how massively um, in control, how massively dominant the two big Woolworths and foodstuffs chains are, that you have to go that far to find the third place, because they're just, you know, Night and Day's just got 50 um, convenience stores dotted around the country and they're, they're hardly a serious competitor to the supermarkets. But his belief was that um, rather than selling off retail stores, the supermarkets needed to be um, required to separate themselves vertically. Um, and what he's talking about there is that both the supermarkets have chains right from the producer right through to the consumer checkout. They control the whole chain from where to go. There's very little wholesale that's available to independent retailers. That is why when you queue up at Pack and Save or Countdown and there's um, a, there's someone in front of you of an enormous supermarket trolley stacked, um, stacked uh, to the gunnels with bottled water and toilet paper and other basics, that's your corner dairy owner because they are forced to buy at retail prices from the supermarkets because there is no wholesale chain for them to access. Even the wholesalers are owned by foodstuffs and countdowns. So Matthew Lane from Night and Day, his argument is that we split up that vertical structure. We split the wholesalers from the, from the logistics. We split the, uh, the wholesalers from the retailers so that um, independent retailers can access uh, the wholesale at competitive prices. Um, and the government's gone some step towards that. They've um, set up um, a wholesale distribution network in which the, the supermarkets are challenged to supply groceries at competitive prices to independents. And the government said, if you don't do that, we're going to come down with a big heavy stick and we're going to impose a wholesale code of conduct and regulate the hell out of you and got the Commerce Commission to, to set the prices that you can charge um, at wholesale. Nobody likes that idea. So the, the supermarkets are having a go at that. So option one is to break up the actual supermarkets. Option two is to split the retailers from the wholesalers. There is a third option recommended by the Commerce Commission and favoured by Supi's Sarah Ball. Yeah, I mean, government funding has delivered us a national airline being in New Zealand. It has delivered us rural broadband to areas across New Zealand so that we don't have internet poverty. We have government-funded electricity companies. So there's absolutely a case to be made to ensure that we don't have food poverty in New Zealand. The government is investing in a supermarket that generates returns that we can pour back into supporting food producers and really improving the health of our population. Basically, the government's setting up a... Kiwi grocer, for want of a better name, in competition, and that would also provide wholesale to independence. So there's three scenarios. They're all really expensive and ambitious 
options and I think they're too hard for any government, Labour or National. In particular, the uh, structural options of selling, forcing them to sell off stores or forcing them to separate their um, vertical um, uh, logistics and wholesale and retail chains, I think that actually poses real problems in terms of property rights. And some people will say, well, you know, my heart bleeds for these big, wealthy, <laughs> uh, rich list of supermarket owners. Uh, you, you take the foodstuffs, New Worlds and Foursquare owners, a lot of them are intergenerational. They own their supermarket. They've built it up over generations, some of them. And to say, well, actually, sorry, we're going to force you to sell it because we need to let in a competitor. That does pose real property rights issues. And you know what it would do to overseas investors, and we need overseas investors for New Zealand, it would look and say, my gosh, here's a government that will forcibly take my property off me, will forcibly divest, uh, make, make me sell off my own assets. I don't want to be anywhere near this country. I'm going to go and invest my money in Bolivia instead. I do have one other option which I, which the government hasn't yet looked at, but I understand that Sarah Ball has been in talks with uh, officials about MSD food grants, which um, is an enormous sum, and most of that money goes to the existing big supermarket chain. So that's millions of dollars at least. She's also been looking at Te Whatuora, which um, supports green prescriptions, which is a prescription to eat healthier. So what what if those prescriptions could be redeemed at small independent retailers rather than just at um, Pack and Save and New Worlds? And we're not talking about slanting the procurement rules to cut the big players out, but just to make sure that they're fair to the small players, fair to the independents. And I wonder for Nicola Willis, who has said that if she's finance minister, she wants to address this problem, I wonder if that's a slightly more elegant solution for her than um, taking on the supermarket chains with a big hammer. But no strong third player in the market. So the warehouse is gradually increasing its involvement in the grocery market, but it's still not competition for the supermarkets. The outgoing Labour government had pinned its hopes on getting some big international chains to expand here. They've been talking to Costco, they've been talking to Aldi, both of which have strong presences in Australia. Now Costco of course has opened a big warehouse in West Auckland, but at most it might open one more in Christchurch. That doesn't help anyone outside those two cities. Aldi, um, despite the approaches of um, Finance Minister Grant Robertson, has shown no interest in crossing the Tasman. So I don't think we can rely on big international saviours to swing in and um, deliver us competition. And it's really, really, really hard for a local player, especially one with no serious existing footprint, to put together enough capital to expand the one slim possibility um, are iwi consortiums, and there are a couple of iwi consortiums that are interested, that are relatively well financed, capitalised, um, that see an important public interest and an important inter- interest for their people um, in ensuring the availability of good and affordable healthy food um, to the communities. So they're pretty well motivated, but they would need to team up with some serious grocery sector expertise. They still need to access useful blocks of land um, on which to build their bricks and mortar supermarkets. And you really cannot underestimate the cost. Costco spent $150 million opening in West Auckland. That's one store. 
Um, so in order to have a real impact nationwide, you need to be opening in every town. I couldn't even begin to put a dollar figure on that. Would you ever want to invest in, in this sector again? I mean, you've taken a lot of risks, you know, with the manufacturing sector. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm personally pretty bruised. I mean, that's not to understate the impact on other investors and and especially staff and and those sorts of things. Um, I would absolutely back Sarah Ball again. I think I probably need to take a breather and um, lick my wounds a little bit in terms of early stage investing. You know, at the end of the day, it, it sounds trite to say it's not about money because, you know, I, I understand that I'm in a privileged position. But, you know, frankly, my reason for, for investing and joining the board was working alongside an exceptional founder and trying to make a dent in a broken market in New Zealand. And, and ultimately, we didn't succeed. But uh, I am pri- proud of, of, of what was achieved over the years. Are there any similarities, Ben, between the supermarket sector and the clothing manufacturing sector? Yeah, so I think uh, maybe you're identifying that I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> there are it's, it's really hard to compete with with big players. There are some fundamental moves, i.e., consolidation and um, you know going to lowest common denominator that we're seeing in the in the grocery sector, and, and that has happened in the clothing sector. But I think you know I guess if I take a step backwards, you know at Soupy we were helping New Zealanders feed themselves. You know, at Cactus, we're helping New Zealanders get the, you know, the, the, the strongest and most reliable uh, clothes and, and, and packs and stuff on the planet. That's important work. And so in terms of um, satisfaction at the end of the day, you know, if I can come home and I've been involved in something that, that does something fundamental, that's kind of right there on the base level of people's necessity for food and clothing, then that feels good, I guess. Did you invest a sizable chunk into Soupy? I mean, this isn't this isn't about my money. I'm I'm lucky that you know I've been fortunate and and I'm in a comfortable position. So I'm I'm aware of of my privilege. I you know I I, I put some money in. Um, you know the directors didn't get paid director fees. Uh, you know and, and did a bunch of work for free. So I've lost out on this one. The same as other investors have lost out. But this isn't about my loss. This is about you know, the lost opportunity to New Zealand Inc., the suppliers that are hard done by, the customers that are hard done by, and especially the staff, the 120-odd staff who have been hard done by, unfortunately. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Phil Benj. Our producers are Mark Jennings and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Jonathan Milne and Ben Keeps. Kakite. Kite.